been lounging, lounging with Skipper. <laughs> You've been lounging, lounging with Skipper. Yo, 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 what's going on everybody? I want to welcome you all to another episode of Lounging with Skip. I'm sitting here with a man, man, this is this guy right here. When I met him, I didn't even know he was in as many things as he was, or as he is. And so I was pretty much shocked. And I was like, you know what, I got to get this brother, uh, you know, I got to get him on on the on the podcast. I got to do an episode on him because what he what he's speaking on and what he talks about, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of y'all out there need to hear this and listen up and everything like that. So, I want to welcome Kevin Dorsey to the spot. Appreciate you, brother. Oh, bro, appreciate you. All good. Yes, all good. sir. Um, so you know, the podcast, the episodes are about. Um, Introduce. We're talking to different people in the mm-hmm. entertainment industry about mm-hmm. their journey to mm-hmm. success, um, what they're doing mm-hmm. in the midst of their success, mm-hmm. and where they're going. Exactly. So you came a long way. So I want to. I, I, I want to go from the beginnings, um, your introduction into music, because mm-hmm. that's where that that's your your melting pot. That's where yeah. you you know you, yeah. you come from. Yeah. So what are your beginnings? Where where were you born? In? Akron, Ohio. Mm which most people now know because of LeBron James. Mm-hmm. But uh, in growing up, I, my home in just Ohio, period, everyone from the Ohio players to Slave to Kinsman Daz, everybody knows them as Daz, Daz Band. Mm-hmm. We knew them as Kinsman Daz because the whole band grew up on the street called Kinsman. Wow. But then uh, the label made them cut Kinsman after I think their second album they're just the Daz band. Okay. Devo, uh, like James Ingram, Switch, mm. Howard Hewitt. All from Akron. Uh, Vesta Williams. Wow. Uh, man, it, just a, a melting pot of talent from mm-hmm. back there, you know. And uh, I took my first lesson on an instrument when I was seven years old. Seven years old. That was a guitar. Okay. And uh, my parents just said, hey, if you're interested, just do what you do. Mm. Uh, so I was guitar, bass, trumpet, cornet, French horn, baritone, tuba. As a, as a seven-year-old? Drums and keyboards from seven to now. Mm. So roughly, you know, I play and read for, you know, between nine and 11 instruments. So you so you started off having lessons and yes. things of nature. Yeah. Seven years old, so yeah. you're reading notes. I was reading music at seven. Mm. Yeah. So were you involved in the music in in school? Yes, played in a little school band, school orchestra, and all that. Mm. And then as I got older, uh, through James and Philip Ingram, I uh, joined a, a local band in Akron. I was about 13, 13, 14 called The Bitter End. Okay. And uh, we were playing in clubs all around Ohio. Mm. You know. 21 and up clubs. Oh, yeah. 13 But we had a chaperone. Okay. You know, even though they might have been at the bar, you know, getting their nod on. But mm-hmm. you know, we, were, we were doing our thing. Yeah. I mean, and playing, singing, I mean, having a great time. I mean, we'd load in on a Friday, play Friday and Saturday. Sometimes you'd have a uh, a Sunday matinee, mm. but 
Thank so you. so so did your, did your parents? They approved of you doing performing in the clubs at thirteen. Yeah, you know, as long as as I, we had a chaperone with mm. us, you know, and the chaperone, they were the uh, guitar player and drummer's parents, okay. the Tolberts. Okay. And uh, as long as they were doing that, you know, and because yeah, we were doing what we were doing. I mean, I'm 13, 14, sitting at a bar hollering at a 30 year old woman like a crazy. <laughs> but there it is with wow. that, you so know. So you were very much advanced in the game. Yeah, very much so. And by the time I was 18 and my friends and my partners that I played ball with, now they're ready to go to the clubs. Mm. I'm clubbed out. I've been doing it for four or five years. Wow. You know? Wow. So, uh, so I mentioned. I, I, I see you mentioned uh, James Ingram. So yeah. you knew James Ingram back. That's like a. He's like a big brother. Yeah. Yeah. He had a group called Revelation Funk. Mm. I mean, that was acronym. He had Revelation Funk. His little brother Philip Ingram had Raw Soul. Howard Hewitt had a band called Life. So you knew Howard Hewitt on Airbound yeah, back then. Yeah, all our moms went to church together. Wow. And all that. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so in high school, so this is junior high. So in high school, what took place? So you were in the clubs in junior high. High school, same thing, still playing. I played in the local band at home until my first year of, of college because I was uh, playing ball. Okay. And so, but I had to, I had to get the band up, you know, when I got to college because, like I said, I was drinking, smoking, mm -hmm. you know, and. Well, what what college did you go to? Originally Akron University. Okay. And uh, you know, I'm walking past coach in the locker room and say, hey, he said, Come on, Dorsey. I said, Well, coach, I smell the cigarettes on you right now. For real? You know, how you gonna play safety and smoking? <laughs> you know? <laughs> For real? So I yeah, I just stopped. Stop smoking? Stop smoking and I stopped the band. Yeah? Yeah. I mean oh, wow. the my routine was was too difficult. Mm. You know, I mean you, you can't play college ball and, and do the nightlife thing you just can't right you gotta have your proper rest and and you're healing up you mm -hmm. know so how long did that go how long did that go on you i did that the first two years then i stopped uh i'm i wanted to play quarterback even though i was a safety also and back then they they weren't allowing black quarterbacks mm. you know uh and then, even though the only one I had a chance to play against at that time was Warren Moon. Okay. Oh, wow. You know, um, but then I stopped, started playing, uh, started working, should I say. I was a bank teller. I was doing this. So I music was, was nowhere in the, in the it, scene at that right point. Right then it was, no, nah, man, I was a, a dog catcher. Anything I could do. Well, really, I was... You know, wasn't actually catching the animals. We were making sure they had licenses. Uh -huh. You know, but uh, no music was nowhere there. Then a partner of mine said, "Hey, man, you better come on and play this ball." And uh, that's what that's what led me to semi-pro ball, okay. playing with the Canton Bulldogs. Mm. You know, our uh, our home field was the uh, NFL Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. That was our stadium, uh, and we play all kind of little teams and. Man, it was, you're talking about rough. Yeah. $110 a game and a chicken dinner. $110 a yes, game? Yes, sir. And a, a, a chicken dinner. And a chicken dinner from chicken. the Colonel. Okay. That was, <laughs> that was your pay mm. for going out there blowing it up. 
Yeah. And I did that for two seasons, and I lost my love. It wasn't that uh, I didn't think I could make it to the NFL mm-hmm. because, I mean, at the time, the Bulldogs were and still are the uh, semi-pro team from the Cleveland Browns. Okay. You know, but I think I lost my love for that. And when you lose your love for football, you're going to do is get hurt. Mm. You know, so uh, I had the opportunity to uh, go back to school mm. and uh, ended up in Morehouse down in, Morehouse. in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. And uh, went there, ended up being a soloist in that quartet. I was majoring in music. You were singing? Oh, yeah. I've been got to sing. singing since I was a baby. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I was a vocal pedagogy major. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. So singing Germany, Italian. Do you sing German? In German and Italian. Really? Oh yeah, that's, that's one way you can get your degree. Mm. So you this know? you were doing this at Morehouse? Yes. And so uh from there, uh Morehouse has a world renowned uh Glee Club. Okay. Best in the world. I mean we do competitions against Yale, Harvard, Amherst, and we kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh we were touring the West Coast. And uh, our alumni gave us a picnic here. This was in the spring of 83. Did your picnic here? Yeah, in we were here in L.A. Okay. And uh, it was in, it was at the end of April, 1st of May, right before commencement. Of 83? Yes. Okay. And Philip called me, Philip Ingram called me from, uh, from Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, hey man, Quincy Jones is putting together this super group to uh, be featured on the follow-up of the Dude album. Mm. He said, nah, he said, I want you to audition, man. You got to audition, man, and come out here with this kid. I said, come on, man. I'm getting ready to head and do a double master's at Juilliard and then do my doctorate and go teach and be a professor at one of these Ivy League schools. And he said, man, come on. He said, it's not going to be easy. You got 7,000 people that coming, you was auditioning coming from around the world to audition. Mm-hmm. And they got four spots. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, 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 uh. always thinking, thinking, thinking. Mm-hmm. They gave us, our alumni gave us a picnic. I snuck away from that picnic and went to that audition. Mm-hmm. I got a call back. So you went to that audition. Were you nervous? No. You wasn't? Never. So when you went to the audition, how was that? What did you end up doing? Uh, let me see. I sang Everything Must Change. Okay. That Quincy did. Now the dude, the dude that came out, that was that um before after Body Heat? Yeah. Because I had the Body yeah. Heat album. Yeah, and yeah. Everything Must Change is on Body Heat. Mm. And uh, James Ingram was featured on Dude. Mm. And this next group that, that Q was putting together was going to be featured on uh, his next record. So, audition, I got a call back. And I was just like, man, because we were flying back the next morning. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go back and tell my director what I had done. He was also the chairman of my music department. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was cool. He set it up for me to stay the night with alumni and put me on a plane after the audition. Mm-hmm. Only thing he said is don't sign nothing. I said, well, I got it. So I stayed, did the audition, you know. Uh, you have a, uh, like we're doing now, conversation, mm-hmm. uh, audition, performance audition, singing audition, and that was it. Okay. So that was in May 
of 83. So at this time, Thriller had already came out. Thriller was you, out. Quincy Jones was blazing. So you was like, I got to take, take this opportunity. Got to take this shot. You yeah. know, how often do they come? Right. So I'm doing all this. My parents don't even know that I've done this. Okay. So I go home. I go back to sing commencement. At Morehouse. Now. Yeah. And, and then Morehouse. head back to Akron, Ohio. Okay. And so uh, do that. I get a letter. A letter comes to Akron from Quest Records and Warner Brothers. About how long afterwards? This was in July. And it says, thank you so very much for auditioning. We really appreciate it. We boiled it down to 2,700. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, all right, cool, you know. And so I went back to school, you know, everything's going on. And then I, I go ahead and uh, register, get my classes. And everything is fine. Start, starting the, the fall of 83. Yeah. This, yeah. yeah. At Morehouse. So uh, I then... It's in November, the end of November. Oh, wow. And you did the audition back in May, April. In May. May. In May. And so here it is, six months later. And uh, I'm walking to class, and one of my uh, roommates, he said, Kev, because I was staying in a dorm at the time, he said, uh, hey, man, this guy called on the floor and said, he said his name was Quincy Jones. In the room. He called him, in, you know, in the hallway, in the mm. payphone. Yeah, I had the payphone in the yeah. room. I mean, in the, in the uh, hallway. hallway. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, I said, You said he was Quincy Jones. <laughs> and so I went back to the dorm, man, and got one of those little desk chairs, uh -huh. got my homework and my books and all that, and, and sat by that phone. phone. I stayed by that phone probably till 6 o'clock that evening. Didn't ring. Mm. You know, so I went back to my room, man. I first went to the cafeteria, got some food, came back, studied in the room, next thing, knock, knock, knock. Open the door. Hey, man, this dude on the phone again. <laughs> and so I'm thinking somebody's playing with me, uh, you know. So I, I go out, I'm all hot and pissed off, and I go, I say, hello? I say, Kevin? I say, yeah. He said, this is Q, baby. <laughs> I said, Mr. Jones? He said, yeah, how you doing? I said, oh, man. He said, I just called to welcome you to the family. Wow. I said, hold on, Mr. Jones. And I put the phone up against my chest, and I started hopping up and down all around the hall. Wow. And I said, Phew. I said, hello? He said, yeah, yeah. He said, I want to fly you out here to meet the other three people. Wow. He said, but I got to tell you, out of 7,000, you were the first one chosen. Wow. You know, so I... uh Flew out there. Oh, no, no, hold on. <laughs> so after you, okay, so you got that call, you you hung the phone up. Then what'd you do? Like when you went back into the room, said a prayer, believe it or not, mm. and uh, didn't say a whole lot because I was finishing up finals. Then I start telling my close buddies what had happened. So how soon after when you flew back out were you still in school? You was finishing up for the semester. Finished. Took finals. Finished up. I don't even know if I could even flew back continue to on doing all that. If I know that this is happening, I'm like. I flew back to Akron. You know, it's holiday, Christmas, right. and all that. So it's a week before we go back to school. Sitting at the dinner table with my parents. And so my father said, well, I look like you've had something on your mind for a while. I said, I'm not going back to school. <laughs> 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 
and my father did exactly at the table at the table at the dinner table. Mm. My father did exactly what you what you did. Just he started laughing. Mm. Boy, you so silly. And, so. Uh-huh. and my mother looked at it. He's not playing. And here it goes. Just, 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 what you talking about, boy? Just tan, you just tan me up. But the greatest thing about it, I already had enough credits mm. to graduate. Mm. So uh, they knew it was Quincy Jones, mm-hmm. and that your parents knew Quincy Jones was. Yes, exactly. And you know, my mom saying, you know, if you're good enough, he'll wait for you. Mm. I said, Mom, that's not how that business right, goes, you know. Right, right. And so you know, they they gave me that blessing because that was I was getting ready to head to school in another week. So this is like January '84. Yeah, and January 15th, my plane ticket is mm. coming to LA. So I don't know. Dr. Wendell P. Whalum was the chairman of my music department. I always feel that he gave me a second chance at life. Okay. When he gave me the scholarship there, and his nephew's Kirk Whalum, sax player. Okay. And uh, he's one of just an amazing person in music. Period. I didn't know how to tell Doc, you know, I'm not gonna finish this last semester, I'm heading to LA. So, I'm so caught up in how to tell him or not tell him. Mm -hmm. I go to Atlanta and I I register for class, just like it's another semester. Mm -hmm. I register, I'm going to school, class, and uh, Before January 15th. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I register just, it's spring semester. And, uh, you know, he says, I walk past him going to a class. He said, hey. I said, hey, Doc. He said, you got something to tell me? <laughs> I said, no, I, no, I don't. So he said, oh, okay. I thought you need to talk to me. I said, no, why would you think that? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to class, man. Same, same, next day. He said, hey. I said, he said, you, you sounded good at the performance. Blah, 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 blah. I said, thank you, sir. You sure you don't want to talk to me? Mm. Long story short, he and Q had known each other for years. Q had already called him. Wow. And so when I, when he asked me that next day, I said, yes, sir, I do. And got that real, just, that, that tongue lashing in a positive way. To just, but you just keep shrinking, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I uh, told him, and he and he looked at me, and uh, he said, you know something? He said, all I can ask you to do is represent me well. Mm. I've taught you all I can t- teach you. I said, thank you, sir. Um, only other thing, uh, what happened then? I sold everything in my dorm room. God, <laughs> guys wanted me to sign. My, my conducting baton, so that's they wanted you. They wanted you to sign it. Yeah, your yeah. name. Yeah, because they knew they they knew I was coming out here to whale. And 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 yeah. and you was gonna you was gonna be with Quincy Jones. Yes, yeah. And so uh, I have Fred Fred Bra Morris Garrett mm-hmm. still has my baton. Yeah, and that was in '84. Yeah, and you signed it. Yeah, signed it on the tip. So, uh, so you okay? So, boom, you, you you left Morehouse, you got on that flight. How was your fear, your feeling when you were saying, when you were like, when you was at the airport, you're on the flight? This was like a new beginning, like yeah. another chapter in your life was about to begin. 
yeah, and I mean it's just I came I came in at night, so I got you got the lights of LA yeah. coming out of Akron, Ohio and Atlanta, yeah. you know. Yeah. I'm sitting there just like, wow, you better get it in. So uh Philip and James picked me up. James Ingram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were already out here. Yeah, they've been here. So this was before uh what what was one of James Ingram's records back then. Well, he, well, he wasn't out yet. He wasn't he, out. No, so he, he, yeah, he was. He was. He was featured on the Do. That's right. when uh, Just Once and all that stuff came. Hold on, that was a. Now, what song was that? Uh, Find One Hundred Ways. Who sings that? He does. That was him. Yeah. Wow. He ain't no other night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was the dude. That one. Yeah. And then just once. That, that was already out. Yeah. That was already out. They came, So they came to pick you up from the airport. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now you're like, That's all right. Here. And uh, wow. after, let me see, the next day I went to uh, meet Q and Tom Baylor. What was that like seeing Quincy Jones in, in, in person? Like, here it is. Uh, I mean, you you standing in front of a legend. Yeah. Thriller just came you out. Know, like, this everything is... was out and cracking. And they said, okay, first thing we got for you, uh, there was a, uh, let me see, fast forward. Sidney Poitier produced and directed this film that his daughter had written. It was a uh, about breakdancing, mm. you know. And what was that, that move? Uh, it was uh, breaking. Well, I did breaking too. Hold on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you going up there? We're going to Sorry, yeah, up. yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. you know. So, I, but uh, yeah, we did fast forward. Uh, he did this movie. He just so it's a Sydney yeah. Poitier. Did his, his daughter did this yeah. movie that was about the, breaking. Okay. Yeah, and Nerado Michael Walden. And Quincy, they produced the music. Okay. So that was fun. I did that. And, uh, but it didn't come, we did it, but it wasn't supposed to come out for another year or so. Okay. But before that, waiting that year, that killed them because Breaking came out. Mmm. Right, and, the first Breaking. Yeah, and I, ain't no stopping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's us. What? Doing all that. The Ollie and. Uh, Ollie and Jerry. Yeah. Ollie, Jerry, Kevin, Zane. It's, it wasn't just them. Ollie, Ollie Brown just had the... Uh, okay, so Ain't No Stopping Us, that was off of Breaking 2. Break, no, that was Breaking. That was a, a, the original. No That's the original okay, Breaking. Yeah. Yeah. No stopping. Breaking 2 was Breaking 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. yeah. We did that too. They, they had a song in there called uh, When I See You. That When I See You. Yeah. When I See You. Yeah. And it, it was like when, uh, when Turbo was on the, mm-hmm. he was on the wall and everything. So you were a part of all that. Mm-hmm. You were a part of that. Mm-hmm. Really? As, my, as a matter of fact, it's I funny, to, it's funny to say, that was my first gold and platinum album, Breaking. Breaking? Mm-hmm. My very first one. So when you said you were a part of that, what were you doing? Like, what were you I was doing? singing and on that one, singing, playing, and doing vocal arrangements. Yeah. I'm breaking. That was mm-hmm. the first thing you done when you came. First, first record I ever did. Wow. And uh, and Jerry Knight, Jerry was a member of radio okay. with Ray Parker. Mmm. Mmm. You know, and uh, yeah, that was first. That's my first gold and platinum album. 
So with radio, um, Ray Parker Jr., mm-hmm. this was around the time um, when uh, Ghostbusters came out. Did that. You did Ghostbusters? Yeah, and Ghostbusters too. <laughs> now, hold on a minute. When you say you did Ghostbusters. I worked on the films. On the, the, on the music, on the soundtracks. So how did you land these types of... Because I was meeting all these people and working with them, and they were calling me back. And then once I was done with, with Ghostbusters 2, it was time to start to color purple. So you just came out straight from Morehouse. You were just out. going. Yeah, I don't know if it was because of Q. Q. Q opens the door. It's up to you to step in and stand up. Mm. So I, I did color purple. After the color purple, I went to... So you were that with... You were doing the music for Color Purple? Yes, with Q. With Q? Yeah. So he did the music for Color Purple? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, you were a part of that? I was a part of that. Gotcha. Yeah. So it wasn't like vocal, it was more so like arrangement, helping with the arrangement. Yeah, and doing doing vocal things. Mm. Yeah, because, I mean, singing some of the African chants Mm. and stuff like that, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. You have to remember, a lot of things vocally, when it comes to film, people don't think about it because... There's usually 85% of the time with any orchestration, there's a choir doubling that orchestration to add the highs and the lilts and things like that, that instruments can't do, Mm. but vocalists can, Mm. you know? So, uh, man, I've had a pleasure of of singing and arranging and working on so many films after The Color Purple. I did Out, Out of Africa, Out of Africa, after that, I, I think I remember that movie. I went to when Harry met Sally, uh, to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, now when you did Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that's when I did my very first voiceover. And what voiceover was that? Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the sun, the moon, beautiful, more uh, beautiful. <laughs> wow, so. That was the scene when, um, at the very end, when the when, when the Ferris when, when, and the when the principal got on the bus. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was, was going like, throughout. It was going the, through the movie. Throughout the movie, okay. yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, but that oh yeah. And uh, so so when did uh so how did you run across Mike, MJ? Uh, how did I run across Mike? Well. The first time we actually met uh, was still, I was still in my first year, and uh, being out here, I went to the Grammys, yes, and uh, Q said, okay, you're getting ready to meet an awful lot of people, tonight is a special night, and so uh, we went to the Grammys, it was amazing, I wanted to stay longer, but we couldn't because they said, you got work to do. That night? I said, huh? And next thing I know, we're pulling up at A&M Records and we are the world, you know. <laughs> so you were part of We Are The World? I was part of all that, you know, and, and that's... And, a, and that was the best time to get everybody together because... they were here. Of the Grammys. You know, and, and to say, I, I, I can never say that I was a, a, a pivotal part of that. I, I was... I, I was more so there, yeah. you know, I mean, because if if you weren't who's who, mm-hmm. you, were, you were not 
you know, on those rises, mm -hmm. let alone performing, mm -hmm. you know, and... Uh, you couldn't even come in the room. Yeah, I'm, well, I, I come in the room because, right. because of who my boss was. Right, right. You know, but uh, we did some, a few... What was that like? Did you know at that time that We Are The World would be what it ended up being? No one knew. Mm. Everyone was just like, okay, because this was to help, you know, starving people in another country. Mm -hmm. uh, so you never know how people will take things, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, we're fortunate that our audience and the people who buy these DVDs and CDs, all, all this stuff, I mean, they make us, you know, and uh, all you can do is hope that this charitable event was going to do what it did, mm -hmm. and it did. I mean, and for every genre to whatever you can think of was on, you know, those rises. So many artists was a part yeah. of that record, yeah. man. And, and, and my biggest thing that night, man, is just, they were introducing us to everyone. So to sit and just, hi, I'm Bob Dylan. Hi, I'm Lionel Richie. Hi, I'm Stevie Wonder. Hi, I'm Blah. Hi, I'm Bruce Springsteen. Hi, I'm Ross Cindy Lauper. I'm Cindy Lauper. I'm Ray Charles. I mean, I'm just Tina Turner. I mean, just on and on and I'm on. All in the room, everybody. And you're thinking like, man, I was just at Morehouse and, a couple years ago. And I, when I got home, that morning, I was just laughing because laughing at myself because you know, hi, I'm Tina Turner. Hi, I'm Kevin Dorsey. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, you know, I'm I was like, hi, I'm I'm the butler. You know, yeah. I mean, because you're in here with the greatest of the greats. You know, Ella Fitzgerald. And that's that's it's uh, after all these years. I mean, that that that's still a dream. Mm. You know. That's one and you thing. Remember, and you remember that day. That that oh, that took place that. in that one day. Yeah, I'll never forget that. I mean, working with Q. I mean, it like I said, Ella. I mean, his Sinatra. I mean, Streisand, mm -hmm. Ben Midler. I mean, he makes sure that you're always well-rounded and not pigeonholed. You know, just as soon as you can go over here with Frankie Beverly and Mays, I need you to be over here with Dolly Parton. Mm. Just as soon as you're over here with Dolly, I need you to be over here with Pavarotti. Mm. You, you'll never just get... Pigeonholed at one thing. Never. You're gonna, and you're going to be great at all. Country, pop, rock, jazz, blues, whatever it is, R&B, classical, you're going to get it. Yeah. And that's what we did. And that's what I do to this day. So We Are The World blew up, did yeah. all that. Um, you was doing Ferris Bueller and everything like that. So when you met Mike, you met, so Mike was there that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the first thing I did for Michael and his brothers was the Victory Tour. Wow, the Victory Tour. Yeah. You know, that the Victory album was one of, was the first, Jackson, because at that time they were the, just the Jacksons, you know, mm -hmm. the whole Motown took mm -hmm. the Jacksons five, but, you know, Jermaine was back. I had that front, I had that album, man, mm -hmm. and my favorite song on that album to this very day is, um, 
Don't remind me, tell me what I could have did. You was tell me what I should have been. I don't know whatever came over me. Give me just one more chance. Yeah. Give me that song, man. Yeah. It's just so you were a part of the actual the tour that was taking place. I mean, this was a pivotal. This was a big moment for them because this was them coming back, doing the you know that tour, the album. It was torture. Like, it, it was their chance. Uh, it was, this was the last time they they were going to tour with their brother. Mm. You know, um, this is after Thriller, so it was like, mm-hmm. and so this was. Uh, it was interesting because they they had a huge opening where they did all of the nights and pulling the sword out of the rock and all that. And mm-hmm. you hear, I opened the show. Behold, blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. That was your you voice know? on the on, yeah. the on the tour. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I knew. From from spending that those couple of days with, with with Mike because like I said my voice went out I didn't go out your voice went out on tour mm-hmm. it went it, my voice went on the gotcha. tour I, I didn't mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I knew that we had a chemistry mm-hmm. you know so uh, after they were doing their thing and and going and going and going the tour never went overseas why I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was strictly U.S., yes. Mm. Um, Next thing I know, we're 85, and, uh, man, I'm, like I said, I'm doing a lot of film and television, Mm. 18, Knight Rider, Mm. all that kind of stuff. So the music in it? Yes. Arranging? Music arranging. Uh, I was doing a lot of stuff with Mike Post. Mm-hmm. Who Mike? I mean, Law and Order and everything else. Mm. At one time, Mike had 19% of all music on television, really? which is why he owns his own golf course in Hawaii and things like that. Um, but in during that era, there was something called soundalikes, mm. whereas they would take someone like me and Kevin, we need a sound like for Barry. Playing your game, baby. Mm. Your game, baby. Instead of spending all the money on Barry, mm-hmm. spend a third of it on Kevin. Okay. And man, they were killing. I don't care if it was Prince, whatever. Mm-hmm. They were calling it. I'm, back during those days, between voiceovers, regular sessions, and sound alikes, I was in a studio different studios four or five times a day. So when you're doing like sound alikes, mm-hmm. what were they going towards? What was this? Like, uh, they were, it was something or... happening in a television show. Mm. You know, whether it was the 18, Knight Rider, uh, Dallas, Dynasty, no matter You was on all that? Yeah. Your voice is on all that? Yeah, yeah. You know, Ally McBeal, I don't care what it was. Burn it. You know, so uh, did that up to, and still doing films. And then uh, I got a call from Dolly Parton uh, because I had done something with with she and uh, Kenny Rogers. Mm. And she said, I got a variety show coming out on CBS and I want you in my band. Mm. And I said, 
here we go. And so we started preparing for that and doing all that. And I what, mean, what, what was the variety show? It was uh, back in the 80s and, the, and 70s, you know, they had these shows where, you know, you're the artist, you come on, but then <clears throat> you also do the interviews, you introduce your guests. Gotcha. Sometimes they have skits and mm-hmm. comedy and all that. So mm-hmm. it was a Dolly Parton variety show on CBS. Mm-hmm. And uh, I stayed there for, what, a few months mm-hmm. and got the call from Michael. He was like, all right, Dolly, peace. It's been, it's been real. Right, right. You know. So you got a call from Michael to, to do? First of all, I got a call, buddy of mine, one of the four, Daryl Fennessy from East St. Louis. Mm, East St. Louis. He uh, he called me and said, he said, hey man, got this audition with Michael. I said, okay. I mean, so it was myself, Daryl, Dorian Holly, mm. and Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow, okay. And we, we sang, did that, did that. Hey, y'all got the gig. We started getting ready for the bad tour. Mm. So that we could... Uh, so you were singing like backup? Yeah. Mm. Yep. And uh, I knew with that gig it was going to take me a lot of different places and move my, uh, if you will, where I was at the present time mm. to another level. Mm. And so I went from singing backgrounds to being the vocal director to ultimately being the assistant musical director. Of the tour? Yeah. Of the bad tour? Oh, from bad, dangerous, uh, heal the world, history. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked with Mike for, sounds crazy, 25 years. 25 years. Mm-hmm. Worked with Michael Jackson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so he was a regular person. He wasn't. I think everybody like, oh man, he was just, you know, like you know, the you know, media makes you makes them seem like he was a. But you know, uh, Mike would always say, you know, Kevin, if they're talking about me, they're thinking about me. Mm. He said, I don't, I don't care what they say about me. They don't know me. I mean, he was, you know, I I hate to say it, he was doing the disfiguration, if you will, Mm -hmm. because of the bad rapport and relationship he had with his dad. He he wanted to have no look like him. Mm. You know, he did have vitiligo. Vitiligo ran in the family from Mm -hmm. Joe on down. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he just tried to, when you would see him very, it's not white, but powderish, Mm -hmm. It, it wasn't, uh, it was uh, he was out of remission. Mm-hmm. So and that's when he started getting all the brown would go away. Mm-hmm. So all that was just to even out his skin. Mm-hmm. Everybody said he trying to look white. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just trying not to look like a leopard out here. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, they talk about, oh, you just white, white, white. I would challenge anyone to go up against him as far as his black history. Mm-hmm. He'll kill you because he loved to read. Mm. Um, one of the most amazing people that I that I knew. Mm. You know, um, I never had to work as hard for anyone. Mm. Only other person made me work as hard as Mike uh, Streisand. 
Mm. She was she's another perfectionist. Yeah. But, perfectionism uh, for as a as in it's gonna be exactly like she wants it, like he wants it to the last beat. Count the like Billie Jean the bass line do 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 do. But it's really do 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 do. And when our initial bass player Don Boyette, when Don was just going. Do, 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 do. I mean, he said, no, 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 that's not right. Don, do, 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 do. He said, yeah. And Mike said, no, I need you. You got to feel the pulse. It's time to I mean, and that's, and man, he'd have on these little penny loafers, and you would think he's stomping a hole through the floor. Yeah. He's stomping that, 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 that pulse. Boom, boom, boom. But you got it. You got it. And uh, everything about him, I mean, I remember we were doing a show in Paris. And uh, they interviewed me the next day. And the guy said, he said, your show was flawless. He said, if I, if I have one thing I, I have to say against the show, he said, you know, it was just flawless, you guys. You didn't make any mistakes. Mm. And he said, what do you think about that? I said, well, I've always, when I was a kid, they used to say to air is human. To who? To air is human. Mm. And so uh, I said, we tried for two hours and 26 minutes to be as non-human as possible. Mm. You know, and... Uh, I mean, I have so much to thank him for. I mean, I've, there's not a country, a major country in this world I haven't been in yeah. at least a dozen times. Yeah. You know, because um, you were close. You, so you were close with we, him. We were good. We, we yeah, were good. It was good. You can have a conversation yes, with him. You, yes, it was yes, like, yes, yes. Like in a room like this, it could be just the both of oh, you having a conversation. I was sitting in a trailer myself and Lavelle Smith with Michael when he said you. We were having a meeting and we were getting ready to leave and he said, guys, I used to, I called him Slim. Mm. And he said, you know I'm not gonna live long. Mm. I said, come on man, I don't, I don't need to hear that right now. He said, no, I'm serious. He said, look at the ones before me, John Lennon. Cause he just went down naming them. He said, they don't want me to live. Mm. He said, I'm worth too much to them dead. I'll never forget when he said that. Mm. You know, and uh, and this was 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 this like around the? No, w this was not around the. Uh, towards the end. Towards the this is it era. No, yeah. this was ninety. I want to say no, was it ninety six maybe ninety six, two thousand one, but more so ninety six, ninety six ninety seven. So he felt it. Mm -hmm. But that was him, man. You know, people thought he and Prince, they, they didn't like each other. Right. They, we were in Germany. I remember, I remember all that. I remember it was all yeah. like this. Who's better, Michael Jackson yeah. or Prince? And we go, we go to Prince's show. He come to ours. They sit up talking until the sun came up. Him and Prince? Yeah. You know, I mean, the media is so powerful, but a lot of times they, you know, they put out the wrong thing. I mean, and if you see it enough and hear it enough, you start believing them. 
So what was it like seeing Prince and Michael Jackson in the same room with each other, like just hanging out? Two monsters, just like just just two cats, just two hanging monsters, out. Two monsters, man. Because so it was like they were like regular yeah, people, just like yeah, how we hanging out right exactly. now. We're talking. They were just like exactly. yeah, but it was just Prince and Michael Jackson. It was just Prince and Michael Jackson. I mean, two of the most talented people ever to walk the planet, and that was a tour everyone wanted. Michael Jackson and Prince. Yeah. But why didn't that happen? Why didn't that happen? Man- management, money. I mean, they knew how they were gonna work it. Mm-hmm. They yeah. did, Michael and, and yeah. Prince. They knew. I mean, because it was gonna be duets. Mike was gonna sing some of his stuff. Prince was gonna. Rob was gonna sing some of his stuff. You know, I mean, but where do you put the ticket for that? <laughs> man, that would have been a monstrous tour, man. Where, where do you put where Michael do you, Jackson and Prince? Where do you put the ticket for that? Both bands were gonna be there. I mean, the ticket prices, I mean, I mean, people would have found the money because that was going to be something. $500, man, I mean, 500 a people, ticket. Oh, that's for the nosebleed. You know, I, I mean, we could have <laughs> toured that for, what, two, three years. Yes, Michael Jackson and Prince. So so you were around Prince, so you were around Michael Jackson uh, during the, um, what was it, the, um, the very last tour. He was about up, to start. Up until this is it, yeah. So he had hit you up. You were about to get this yes. going again. Yes, yeah. And when you got the news, how did you? How I was on the phone you with his uh, assistant, who was like his mother, Evie. Mm-hmm. We were talking, and uh, she got quiet. I said, Evie? And she said, I said, Evie. And uh, she said, she said, Kevin Michael's gone. I said, gone where? You know, I'm not thinking about it. Mm. No, they're saying he's gone, he's dead. Mm. I said, huh? She says, I gotta call you back. She said, the lines are blazing, CNN, this one, that one, and so uh, I said, call me back. And she called me back and she said, it's true. And uh, probably 10 minutes later, it was on CNN. my phone, it just, it wouldn't stop. It wouldn't stop. I mean, it's, uh, I've never seen nothing like it. I mean, to the point where I had, I had to plug it in and just, cause it just zoom, zoom, zoom. Well, all said and done, I had over 1,500 calls for interviews. 1,500? From all around the world. 1,500 calls? 1,500. From all around the world? To do interviews about Mike. And uh, denied them all. Mm. That was my, that was my friend. You know, I, yeah. I was not trying to right to, to do all that mm. on on his death. Mm. No. So he was he just died. Yeah, literally. And and the phone smoked and kept smoking. And so uh, after uh, after we buried Mike. You went to the, so how how was that funeral? Because I went, I remember I yeah. saw it on TV. I mean, I'm I back there. in St. Louis. I was, I was, was that Staples? I was sitting between uh, uh, Jesse and Farrakhan. <laughs> you were sitting between yeah. Jesse and Farrakhan. Yeah, me and my partner Romeo Johnson. Because mm. I, I, you know, you know, I'm from St. Louis, man. So I'm I'm at the house. This was what um, what was it June 2000. Eight mm-hmm. was it? Mm-hmm. 
And I remember, you know, it was like a like a, a party. You know what I mean? From watching on TV, it was like, wow, like you really felt like you were at a funeral. Even for me, being in St. Louis, watching it on TV, because we yeah. were, you know, it was all on Facebook talking about it and everything. And, and I'm like, man, this is this is something. And Jermaine Jackson out there and was singing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in that in, in that casket. That was he was in there. Hey, I, I don't know, I don't know, you know. But um, the service was what it was. I mean, I I'd gone and I took the kids up to the house. Before the before the service, mm. and up on Havenhurst, I mean, yeah, it was on Havenhurst. Yeah, I mean that's where his, uh, you know, his parents live. Oh wow! And so uh, I, I said, let me go by and and get my condolences. Uh, this was before the funeral, and uh, I had to park on Ventura and walk over because there were television trucks and media trucks from every country in the world mm. up there and people you know they're singing we the world man in the mirror they're just out, they're out there singing mm-hmm. and so uh, I, I took the kids up and said come on we're gonna go and say hi and express our condolences so Mason Mason Logan, <laughs> really? and Lex wow. and so uh we're going, and I mean, you have people that came here from Europe, wow. South America, Asia, and uh, and somebody hollered, "There's Kevin." I mean, because I was one of the most visible people with him mm. on stage. Mm. When he wouldn't do interviews on TV, I'd do them. Really? Things like that, yeah. Mm. And so they started rushing me, and they're rushing you when you were going and, on. Time? And they were coming. That. The police said, they said, who are you? I, I said, I, I was in this band. And they did like this in, in front of me. Said, people, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And some of the people I actually knew from seeing them from being up on stage, you know. And uh, hey, hi, 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 all that, this and that, shaking hands and doing all that and protecting the kids mm-hmm. at the time. And. Uh, and then just moving forward towards the house, and suddenly it comes a, a Bentley down the street, and uh, was Jackie, Tito, somebody else was in the car, and they said, "Come on, Kev, come on in," you know. So uh, that was uh, a wild time. It it really was. So a few months after that, uh, Rolling Stone called me. Mm. And uh, they emailed me. I always hang on to that email. And uh, and they, they said, we know you haven't done one interview. They said, but we're, we're doing a book. And uh, we'd like you to think about interviewing. We'll let you read before it goes to print the whole bit. And so they said, think about it. And uh, one thing about Rolling Stone magazine, they were always fair to Mike. Never dogged him, beat him up. So I called him, called him back in New York, and told him I'd do it. And uh, we set it up. A couple of weeks later, they flew out here, mm. and that was the only interview I ever did mm. when it came to him. Man, I I appreciate you sitting with me. Yeah, I mean he was so cool. I mean when you know each of us, Howard, James, when when our hometown gave us the key to the city. I mean. Now, whatchamacallit, 
um, what was it? Uh, Ray Parker Jr. Didn't yeah. you write one of the songs off of uh, Thriller? Um, was it PYT? That's James. Ingram. James co-wrote. He yeah. wrote that. Yeah, co-wrote. Yeah. He co-wrote PYT. Mm-hmm. So to this very day, I mean, he's just, I mean, anybody who's affiliated with that Thriller album is just eating. It's just still. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Um, so after Mike passed, what went on with you and, you know, and, and what it was at that point, what were you, what were you doing? What were you thinking about? What was your next step? You know, um... I, I I took some time because, you know, that was he was so pivotal pivotal, excuse me, in my in my career. I mean, with all the things that I had been blessed to do, everyone always with Kevin Dorsey, first thing they say is Michael Jackson. Mm. They wouldn't say Forrest Gump, they wouldn't say the Matrix, they wouldn't say, you know, Lionel, Elton John, Stevie. Just going down to everyone that I've worked with, mm. it would always be Kevin and Michael. You know, so I had, I believe it or not, I used to not get angry, but just like, man, don't y'all know anybody else that I've worked with? Mm. And everybody said, who else counts? <laughs> you, you were the one, the greatest to ever do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I guess I, I let that sink in. I was teaching at the university out in Pasadena, mm. you know, so that was getting me away from Hollywood for a minute, mm. you know, just to... So you, need, so you needed that break. Yeah. You know, and then I got a call from London. Uh, they wanted to do a tribute to Mike mm. and wanted me to be the musical director. Mm. So... Uh, what was, was that like being the mus- musical director of the man that you worked for who's not here anymore but you're still in that it was was it was it was different because I mean I had a slamming band put together a slamming band and uh, when you hear someone you know you I'm expecting to hear Mike right but someone else and so I'm, I'm geeked on the music, and then I hear that voice, and I, mm. there goes my high. Mm. But this is what it's gonna be, Kev. Deal with it, handle it, and, and get on with mm. it. You know, so uh, I had everyone from Jamie Foxx, first time I met Neo, uh, Yolanda Adams, she sang Earth Song and, and, and killed England. Um, let me see uh, Ant Farm they redid Smooth Criminal in a rock and roll vein mm-hmm. um, LaToya performed the brothers performed uh, Gladys Knight performed Smokey Robinson performed did Reby come up no uh, what's, what, what's the song Centipede <laughs> man that was my joint back in the day man Centipede yeah man. Yeah, she she didn't do it. And it was, unfortunately, uh, at first there was a little controversy around it because the trial was going on at that time. Mm. So After? No, during that. Mm. And so, uh, you but know. But what trial? What's what? 
with with Doctor. Uh, oh, okay, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. You know, so Jermaine, you know, he wasn't coming out. He didn't want to leave his mom, just in case something was going to happen with the trial. You know, I yeah. said, I said, man, we we gigging on the weekend. You know, but he he stayed there. Uh, I Jeff, seen him at uh, some years ago. Some years back, about five years ago, I seen him at like a Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, Walmart over in um, off of Topanga some years ago. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like wow, Jermaine Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, that's funny. I I, I was talking, having this conversation today mm-hmm. with D.L. Hughley. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I cut his hair. I cut okay. his hair on um, uh, what was it? The the comedy get down. Okay. His goatee mm-hmm. lined up his back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just. Just talked to him this afternoon over uh, at Screen Actors Guild. Mm. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, we did the show. One of the biggest, one of the largest productions I had ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, huge. I mean, the lighting rig was his hat. Mm. Michael. Yeah. Mm. It had. That's what the lighting rig. That was the shape of that rig. Mm-hmm. There it was a thirty-two camera shoot. Mm. For when, when? When was this? This was in two thousand nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay. So when did Mike pass? He passed. Oh eight. Oh oh eight. It was oh seven oh eight. Um, I think he. Hold on. I mean, it was a little later. I mean, he passed oh nine, June oh nine. Yeah, I mean. I yeah, had, he passed June oh nine. That's not because I remember where yeah, I was in my yeah, life yeah, at yeah. that time. That was June oh nine. Yeah. Um. So you went on and did the tour in London and things of that nature. Um, you came back. You mm-hmm. were working as a teacher, a professor mm-hmm. in um, Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So at that point, you're getting, you know, you know, this is your career. This is what you're doing. You, mm-hmm. you know, your residual checks, all that type of stuff is going, mm-hmm. is coming through. Mm-hmm. Now, where are you at at this particular um, point of success? I'm at that point where I don't want to travel as much mm. because my kids are, are growing. Okay. And uh, I want to be there and always have been. I've been blessed, even though with work, to be there for pivotal times in, in, their, in their lives. You know, so uh, I said I'm, I'm going to stop traveling so much and mm. concentrate on scoring independent film and, and, and television shows. Now, um, for someone that wants to get involved in, you know, scoring films and things of that nature, what would you tell them? What are some things, you know, because is that is it a hard feat to accomplish? You know, in, you can do scoring? whatever you can do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to know all instruments. Naturally, you have to know how to write, write charts, do arrangements, um, and be very, very well versed in all types of music. Mm. You know, there are very few, uh, even though I don't use the term African Americans, very few black people that score music, mm. or at least on a high level, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and if they are, I mean, they, they really don't get a lot of 
uh, well-deserved recognition mm. because it's not easy. Mm. I mean, because you, the the visual and the audio are hand in hand. So something like that, um, when you're scoring a you know a movie or whatnot, you're seeing. Do you see the actual mm -hmm. footage of the movie yes. that's already edited mm -hmm. on a big screen and then you have your orchestra in front of you and you conduct yeah. as it's being played so you that can, way everybody is seeing it? You can, you, can, you can do it like that. You can do it. Uh, it depends on whether you want to uh, synth it first, mm. you know, and you score, score here and then presented there okay you know uh, but usually you do have the big green slate bar going by and when you're doing your thing you're watching they're not who's they the orchestra gotcha yeah their their backs are to the screen gotcha you're you're there mm. because that's giving you so many different things that's giving you your crescendo even though it's there in the score you're getting it there because you see it happening yeah you know yeah so uh so you're like producing visually yeah but from an audio standpoint yeah you're you're you're, you're showing them what's happening on that screen mm -hmm. with your baton mm -hmm. and your your, your motion mm. yeah i can see that mm -hmm. What's the most um, hardest movie that you scored? The most, not say hardest, but the most, you know, complicated. Like, man, this is this is this is rough. Um, one that I'm finishing. It's a horror film called The Taker. Mm. Uh, with uh, Demetrius Navarro. He's the director. Okay. Uh, I've horror. Horror is not my thing, mm. and a lot of times some films can be period pieces, mm -hmm. or you know, a lot of horror now is Grindhouse, which is you know real throwback and all that kind of stuff. And so to do it, someone had already scored it, and they weren't happy. Mm. And they were happy with maybe bits and pieces, but mm -hmm. they say, do you, put you on here. And so you have to go and do your homework. You know, okay, this is 2018. Do you want some Friday the 13th, some Omens, some Exorcist? How, how grindhouse do you want it? Mm. You know, um, and, and then they'll give you you know, clips of things and director will say, you know, I felt this here. I felt that there. I mean, you can, you get, I get some films where they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm feeling Marvin Gaye here, Trouble Man. And that's the temp track that they give you. Mm -hmm. So to match that scene. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I got to go. I say, you want that feel, that sound? I say, yeah, so now I got to go back to the early 70s. Mm -hmm. And okay, what were they doing there? I know Fender Rhodes, you know, no Yamaha. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's Fender Rhodes back then, mm -hmm. or Wurlitzer. Mm -hmm. Come with those sounds. So they go, yeah, you, you, you feel it, I feel it. That's that. You know, and 
You got to so do you your bring that, you bring yeah. that. You bring yeah. those instruments actually yeah. in, those players yeah. to come and play that, yeah. and you, and you yeah. do it. Oh, yeah. I play it first, and then I give it to my guys. Mm. You know, I mean, because as many things as I play, I'm I'm not a, I'm a virtuoso of, of any of them. I enjoy playing them all, but I bring in guys that this is truly what they do. Mm-hmm. The keyboard is just like an extension of their body. Mm-hmm. The guitar is an extension, the bass, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, I remember some years back, we had to do a Sam Cooke remake of Sam Cooke at the Copacabana. And that was a rough gig. We did 24 tracks in two and a half days, mm. live. Mm. But uh, it made it happen. Mm. All that stuff, yeah. So it was cool. Stuff like that I like. Hmm. You know. Wow, man. I mean, that's... You know, because it makes you... There's nothing like doing a film and then going to a matinee, sitting in the back and looking at people and see if they felt what you felt when you wrote it. So you've done that? Yeah. I like doing that. I don't. I don't do the... Let's go to the screenings. Let's right. do this and that. You go to just a regular? Just go to a regular movie. Get me a little popcorn or something to drink and sit in the back and watch. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's something like I would do. That's that's That's, 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 that's cool. Like, for me, yeah. that's, that's, that's cool like that. Yeah. Um, when you first started seeing your music being, like, on screen, how did that feel? Just like, wow. Like, oh, to go from... Being at Morehouse, getting that call from Quincy, to to go from Akron playing in the Silver Leaf and the Tropicana, to to to, to where to you are it. now. What can you say about your life and your career? And you know, I never thought that I would be doing this to make a living. Mm. It's you know everybody always say I thank God and I've been blessed. I mean. Man, I, I was orphaned at birth. Mm. So I went from nobody wanting me to getting adopted at six and somebody wanting me mm. and standing up for myself in an entertainment world that can, if you're weak, it'll kill you. If you're strong, they got to love you to survive. Mm. Wow. You know, they I gotta mean, love you to survive. Yes, sir. This is the most cutthroat industry in the world, but we love it because it's what we do. Because it's creativity is from the heart, it's from the mind. But uh, you never get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. <laughs> you know, and with that, it's somebody. You got somebody attached to this arm at five hundred dollars an hour. Got somebody counting chips over here. You know. And I, uh, I, I laugh. I mean, I, I started out in Akron, I, you know, getting known because of playing and singing in church. Mm-hmm. We laugh. The stuff that Kirk Whalem and those guys are doing now, I, I was doing in 74, 75. They're not doing nothing new. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was, I was at Rebel. You know, where they have a meeting after church. Them boys is playing rock and roll in the church. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just expressing myself. I'm putting a little 
little thing on Blessed Assurance, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and the greatest thing about when we were doing it in the 70s, we were doing it, we were writing it, we weren't sampling it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I wasn't sampling George Clinton. I was, I was writing my own. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference, I mean, and I, I tell my students, you know, so many people have gotten away from from the learning and the this and that because it takes too much time. And all we had was time. You know, I remember I came here, Jimmy Smith, amazing organ player, had a club out here in Cornwall, Jimmy Smith Supper Club. Monday night, you go in there, jam session. Who the who's who's up there? Y'all was up just getting it. I went up there one night thinking I was going to get my thing on. We got, we didn't get through a verse. And they said, young man, you, you're not ready. And I had to take that long walk back to my seat, man. And everybody looking at you because they knew what happened. It was you. You couldn't cut it. And me walking from here to that wall was like walking from here to San Francisco. That's I could never get to my chair, man. Went home, did my dude, did my work, did my homework. You know, and I, let me go ahead and get it in. Came back the next time, a few weeks later. Got up there, Jimmy looked at me. Got up there, played the song. I was getting released. Hey, stay and play another one. So I said, I'm, I'm all right. I'm supposed to be here. You know, and I, and I felt like that at the beginning of my career when you go in the studio and you'd see these amazing, amazing musicians that you've been reading their names on the back of album covers for forever. So you met Rod Chimpton? Oh yeah, one of the most talented people in the world. Uh, going shame, he's gone. Right. You know. He did all. He did the the Heat Wave stuff. Uh, he was Heat Wave. He was Heat Wave. He was Thriller. Yeah. Going on that album would be like produced by Quincy Jones and Rod, Rod Chimpton and written by Quincy Jones and Rod Chimpton right. and Michael Jackson. Right. You know, but uh. Yeah. And he, you know, just to know that he did the, you know, Always and Forever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Mind blowing decisions. Yeah, mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you kind of, you kind of hear those different, those, those keys mm-hmm. in um, Mike's music, you know, from the, the Off the Wall album. You know, you, you have to because every writer and producer leaves their signature. In their, in their music. Yeah. You know? Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. I used to tell Babyface, I, I laugh, I said, you know, man, you're the only one that's made millions of dollars writing the same song. Yeah. Except top, 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 top. And there it is. When you say top, top. It, let me just, instead of putting this in bar four, let me take bar one and put put it up here. You know, just switching things around, changing melody. I you got know, he'd have his. I got you know, a new song. You know, with with what's my call, Babyface. He would have the same drum sounds, mm-hmm. the same arrangement, but it was always like a new record every time you heard it. And the thing of it is, he has strong melodies, mm-hmm. and especially when he would write for Tony, she would sing it. He would do the demo, the vocal. And she would sing it melodically, just like him, mm-hmm. where you knew, okay, he sang it down first, mm-hmm. and she followed it because. Right. But uh, 
she she was like my goodness hand-picked for him she just because she could sing his stuff mm -hmm. you know what I mean I remember when we did uh, Name of the movie, The Preacher's uh, Preacher's Wife. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and he and you could tell same same way with Whitney. Whitney mm -hmm. was singing just like he would in the demo. Mm -hmm. But uh, so he would demo all the songs, mm -hmm. and they would sing. Mm -hmm. That's how you know it was him. Just one, you know, I want to ask a quick question. Mm -hmm. What's the most success you've seen as far as like, you know, you was like, wow, like, you know, when you got that check. You know what I mean? What's the most thing that you've done? The Lion King. The Lion King. Now, what did you do in The Lion King? I was, I did background vocals, did some of the uh, incidental animal voices, things like that. Mm. That Those residuals, to this day, I haven't had a project to match. Lion King? Yeah. And Lion King came out what year? Was that? that was like... 96 maybe 97 it's been going for the past you know whatever yeah, 20 years yeah and this stills I mean that's the, a blessing the, 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 the resids aren't what they were initially mm -hmm. I mean we had I had people and you know was happy to be in that number mm -hmm. resid resid were when it first started 100k <laughs> off of just one movie yeah and and those were popping up every four and five days <laughs> yeah so uh, explain to people who don't know um, res resids residuals residual payments are payments that you receive after a product has uh, once it's been in a theater, once it's uh, had that run, once it's gone to HBO, once it's gone to Walmart, Target, and you know DVD and things of this nature, for every time it's played on cable, network television, uh, a DVD is purchased, this or that, uh, we, the people who worked on that project, get a percentage of what is, you know, uh, what is paid. Mm -hmm. And so um, that did well. One that's catching it is, I mean, I've done the, the new Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Out of the three, I've worked on two of them. Out of the three? Out of three new Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. So the one that just came out was like The Last Jedi? Yeah, I worked so on that one. you would worked on that And then the first one. I missed the middle one. Mm. But I think I missed the middle one because I was doing... Uh, uh, what? Uh, the new Star Trek. <laughs> okay. And you missed the Star Wars because you was doing the new Star Trek. I was doing Trek. the Star Trek and, and I was like, doing the, uh, the new Jungle Book. You know, that's, so I, I, I one slip through. It's a blessing, man. It's a blessing oh to even, you know, it's like I said, when you were telling me all this stuff and I'm just like, because I'm, me personally, I have this thing about, you know, because I'm, I hope to one day be able to have it to work. Residuals, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. And yeah. and that's that's just a blessing. So me, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm all about a chart type person. Yeah. yeah. I check like, you know, just different 
residuals that I make musically mm-hmm. on through my distribution company mm-hmm. for my music. I check that every day just mm-hmm. to look and just see what I, what happened today or what's coming through today. See, and my, and my and my thing is, you know, all of mine is set up for my kids. Mm. You know, once once hey once I'm gone, I mean, they collect them. I mean, yeah. and it on an average. Out of 52 weeks of the year, there's usually, you might have out of that year, three weeks, you may not see a check. Other than that, you, you, you see it, I see a check every, every day. And, I, and like I said, I get checks from 84. Spending that 84 money. Yeah, <laughs> you know, from the 80s. It's Spending money from the eighties, eighties, nineties. I mean, because oh, man, I, mean, that's I get money, you know, from Glory. That's you know, Glory, Glory with, with Morgan Freeman Denzel. and Denzel. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of my first films. I mean, Ferris, Ferris always pays because yeah. Chrysler, Domino's, everybody uses Domino's? It in in commercials. Oh yeah, the dun dun. Yeah, so dun dun. How'd you get on that song? I was I was working on Ferris Bueller and Ira Newborn. Newborn's uh, in the group. No, Ira Newborn was the uh, he was scoring that film. Okay. And uh, we were wrapping up, and he said, "Kevin, come here." Yeah, I said, "Went over there," and he gave me a piece of paper, and it said, the "Paper said, oh yeah, beautiful, more beautiful, the sun, and laugh." He said, "Go do this." A group called Yellow out of Germany hmm. did it. Did the song. Okay. But Ira, Ira felt that it didn't have enough bottom. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I want you to go out there and just, just say these words. Say each one three times then go to the next word. And then back then, wow, they VSO'd the tape, you know, slowed the tape down. Okay. And so after I did it, they slowed down the tape and so make it even go even more. Oh, yeah. They made yeah. it. You know, and so... uh and that's what happened. And I've been, they've been OEAing since 1984. Since Ferris Bueller? Yeah. I always watch that movie. Well, I'm sorry, 85 is when Ferris came out. I've been watching yeah. that movie ever since ever since on, on VHS, man. That's 33 years. 85, 95, 2005, yeah. 2015. Yeah, I've been getting paid on that for 34 years. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting. Because something like that, you just like watch and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, it was regular. But not knowing the behind the scenes mm-hmm. aspect of it all. That's what to me is so intriguing at this age that I'm at. But 10 years ago, I really wasn't thinking about all and, that. And but see, and that's one like, thing I always loved. I mean, I've had every opportunity. I've turned down record deals and everything else. Right. Because I'm not that front person mm-hmm. in my own opinion. Yeah. You know, I, I like being behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I like building that monster, you mm-hmm. know, and being a part of that and being able to walk and, and be free and do what I want to yeah. do, yeah. you know. And uh, by doing that, I mean, I remember laughing because Budweiser said, okay, we need you to do this. And I said, okay, and all I do, Bud. And then you had another guy, why, sir? But you so know, hold on, man. You was doing the what's that? The frog? Yeah, that was you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you get to do that, and 
and you get to Michelob, make tonight the best part of your day, Levi Strauss. I mean, I've been... <laughs> so the, so, so the, that Budweiser commercial, that was like, what, like early 90s? Yeah. Woo. That was... I'd love to do that again. Yeah? Just... They played it. They featured it on Super Bowl. Yeah. Woo. And you was... What? And... That was you. Brother. First one on that one was nice. Just off of... Yeah. That was nice. You know, and then... And it, it was it was cool for me because that was 94. Mm. And here's the great thing. I had... I bud... There was a commercials back then because, you know, commercials were all, everything on the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And at halftime, I was performing with Mike. Because mm. remember, he was the first one to do halftime. Mm. And, uh... Right, so it was... Oh, man, it was a, it was a, from that, that was a day. That was truly a day. So, what are some, uh, to summarize everything, mm-hmm. um, some something to inspire, um, you know, composers out there, people who want to get into voiceover work, something for them, let's say, in a small town right now, because I got listeners all yeah. over the United you States. You know, I, I always say, if you're... If you're trying to do voiceovers, record commercials on on television, write down the copy, which is what they're saying, mm-hmm. and practice those until you're ready to make your own tape. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you can submit them to jingle houses and places like this, and you have to know sometimes you're going to be fortunate enough to hit Sometimes, you know, your, your tape is, or CD is just falling on deaf ears. Nothing is promised in, in, this, in this industry. You know, I mean, everybody will give you that big pie in the sky. You know, I mean, things have changed so drastically. And, uh, man, I used to think people were cutthroat back in the day. I mean, unfortunately, now they're even more so because they're trying to get all the talent as young as possible. And, and you know, and not killing anyone's dreams at all, but you get going at 15, 16, your career is done before you're 25. You don't have any more 25, 35 year careers. Those, those days are gone. Mm. You know, I mean, I look at it, I did the first, what, nine, ten seasons on American Idol. Doing what? Uh, I was doing arrangements and also, you know, working with Deborah Bird. Mm. We were doing all the backgrounds and all that. That was before they put a band on stage. That's when we were doing all the pre-records. Okay. When Idol was truly Idol. Mm. It was that person on stage against the world. Mm-hmm. That's what made that show. Mm-hmm. When they started putting a band, you know, not knocking Ricky Minor and those guys and the backgrounds, but now, if you hear a flat note, they're not thinking it's the background vocals. They're looking at that person at center stage, mm-hmm. you know. Unfair, in my opinion. Mm. You know, I did the verse, I don't know how many seasons of The Voice. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was one of the uh, people who went around the country doing the auditions. Mm. You know, I mean, unfortunately, to this day, the voice has not had a star. 
Mm. Not one. Yeah, it's just been a show that's just come on and. I mean, Idol has just, I mean, right. Jennifer, Fantasia, Carrie Underwood, Kelly, right. Ruben, Clay. You you can, I mean, uh, you can just keep going on and Daltry. Carrie Underwood. Carrie, Daltry. You can go on. The Voice. None. Mm. But number one show in the country. Mm -hmm. They don't give a damn if somebody's made, made a hit or not. Mm -hmm. You know, so... You want to not get frustrated and discouraged when you don't hear back from people. You want to make sure as you submit your work, your work is definitely, definitely protected. You know, do the poor man's copyright right. if you don't have the money to, to send to the Library of Congress to do the big paperwork, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I liken my industry to the NFL the NBA, the National Baseball Association, you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of young people who play all these sports. And, man, my dream is the NFL, the NBA. Right. And a mere handful make it. Right. Same way with entertainment. Right. I mean... There are some amazing talents out there in small towns, small cities that may never be heard and will kill anyone that's on the radio. Right. And unfortunately, it's not meant for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, you gotta play the game or do you play the game? Mm -hmm. I don't wanna play the game, that ain't me. I mean, unfortunately, the casting couch is still bouncing. Mm. Couple springs are broke. <laughs> Couple springs are broke, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they still getting it in. All right. You know. Mm. And you and and a lot of times it's like Vegas. Vegas. Vegas wasn't built for you to win. Mm. You know. Mm. But you have to remember, as parents, as young people, I always use a, a little saying that I got from Frederick Douglass. You know, I, I'd rather build strong children than repair broken men. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much the entertainment's philosophy right now. I mean, if you're 25, 30 years old, you're done. You're old. Mm -hmm. You're young. We can mold and make you and take you until we done made every last dime we get. It's just like riding seed biscuit. I'm riding you down to your kneecaps. Mm. But once you're done, I'm done with you. Mm. There's no more, hey, well, you know, produce me so that I can get that next older generation. Mm. No, that, that, that ain't you, that ain't you. You're done. Mm. You know, so, you have to, uh, it's a fight, it's a battle, it's a war, it's a grind. You know, it's a, it's a, it's it's a daily hustle. I mean, for most people, it's not like having a nine to five where right. where that eagle flies for you at the end of every week. Right. If you don't grind, right. that eagle won't fly. Right. Right. You know. Right. But that's what we love. That's what we want. Right. And if you're good enough and great enough at it. Oh, somebody will see it. Oh, somebody will see it, and that eagle will fly. He may not fly every week, right? 
But when he left you, mm-hmm. you you can survive those weeks because mm-hmm. you made it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so don't let your good be thought evil of. Get do your thing. Push if you want it, go get it. Yeah, just like anything in life. Yeah. I mean, you know, like w- w- with our boys, I, I always tell them, "Hey, man, nobody gonna give you nothing out here." Yeah. No, they're looking to get something from you. Yeah. They're not looking to. You're gonna earn every dime that you think you getting, every tennis shoe that you think you getting for free, every sweatsuit, this and that. Oh, it's not free. Right. It's right. costing you. Right. Right. You know, you have to drink in that Gatorade about to fall out. Ooh, I'm tired. Hey, check in. Mm-hmm. You're earning that sweatsuit in those Jordans. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I, I, I just like to, to end and say I, I thank everyone who has helped me, listened to me, you know, bought my music, showed me how to do this and this way and composed something to, to make people hear what I have to say and love what I have played and created and have, you know, supported me in no matter what way, whether they've gone to see a film, bought a CD, or just say, hey, Kev, keep doing what you're doing, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so and that's what I've been doing now, going on 34 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, still loving it. And, and I made my career so that I can I don't sing anymore, play anymore. Right. I can always talk. Yeah, yeah. I can always get behind that mic, you know, and do my thing. What, 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 what? Just to end it out, what, what are you working on now, like moving forward? What do you see yourself in the next five? Uh, right five, now, years? I am doing a preparing for two films: The okay. Wanted, which is uh, you may as well call the sequel to Get Out, mm. and. Uh, Ticket to Nashville, okay. country jukebox film, mm. you know, that uh, that I, with Brad Paisley and uh, and some of those guys, so that's going to be, that's what I'm doing, Okay. and raising these kids. And raising the kids, <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Hey, well, Kevin, I appreciate you, man. Where can, uh, if anybody wants to contact you, how can they reach out to you? Diverse Media, D-Y-V-E-R-S-E Media. At yahoo.com. Diverse media at yeah. yahoo.com. Yes, you, you have an Instagram or anything like that? Or no? They don't. say I, I have one. I, my assistant does you don't know? Oh, yeah? My son is on it all the time. I okay. Think, okay. You know, okay. Okay. Hey, well, I appreciate you. I appreciate my you, man. man. Thank well, you. Always. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And until next time, peace.